The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. This is Galen McDowell, and I am the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in the lovely city of Chicago, Illinois. Uh, Christ Universal Temple is led by the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells, and it was founded by the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman. We're in the midst of a series titled The Law and the Promise, or Neville Goddard's The Law and the Promise, which is based upon his book, The Law and the Promise. Neville Goddard wrote under the name Neville, wrote under his first name. And The Law and the Promise is a really good book that really focuses on how the power of imagination can transform your life. The creative power of imagination. How do you see things in the mind and then hold it in faith? How do you work with the preferred image in mind? And he gives techniques over and over again. Uh, in this book that I believe are very practical. Now, they're unreasonable, but I think they're practical. What do I mean by that? Unreasonable. In other words, the reasoning mind has nothing to do with this process. This is a spiritual mental process that is not based upon facts and precedent. It's based upon preference and what are you desiring to experience in your life. Therefore, I highly recommend that you get the book, The Law and the Promise by Neville. And as we've been going along with this series, we're going to be talking, uh, reading, I believe, chapter eight today. Um, I want to make sure that you actually get the book, because in this particular book, Neville gives uh, story after story of people who've actually used his teachings and demonstrated their desired good. Now, why is this important? When he allows a person to write in their own voice, explaining how they utilize the principle. It actually lets us in on how people navigate and practically utilize teachings such as these. So I think it's really important for us to recognize that. Before I actually go into the book on the law and the promise, I want to make sure that I read a couple of quotes from a few books. I've been trying to make sure that I supplement this work, not that Neville's work needs to be supplemented. But I think that sometimes it's good to hear things differently because sometimes when you hear it differently, you can absorb it differently. 
So here's just a few uh, quotes. This is from Norman Vincent Peale. And Norman Vincent Peale obviously uh, is most well known for the book, The Power of Positive Thinking. But he also wrote a book called Positive Imaging, The Powerful Way to Change Your Life. Again, the name of the book is Positive Imaging, The Powerful Way to Change Your Life. And he wrote this in the introduction. This is how good this book is. This is the introduction. The concept is a form of mental act. Excuse me. I guess I should read the whole page. Let me just start off how he wrote it. Suppose a trusted friend came to you and said, there's a powerful new old idea that people are talking about. One I think you should be aware of. It's a concept available to all of us that can shape and change human lives for the better in, a, in an astonishing way. What would you say? You'd say, tell me about it, wouldn't you? This is what I want to do in this book. Tell you about it. The concept is a form of mental activity called imaging. It consists of vividly picturing in your conscious mind a desired goal or objective and holding that image until it sinks into your unconscious mind where it releases great untapped energies. It works best when it is combined with a strong religious faith backed by prayer and the seemingly illogical technique of giving thanks for benefits before they are received. When the imaging concept is applied steadily and systematically, it solves problems, strengthens personalities, improves health, and greatly enhances the chances for success in any kind of endeavor. The idea of imaging has been around for a long time, and it has been implicit in all the speaking and writing I've done in the past, but only recently has it begun to emerge clearly and be recognized by scientists and medical authorities as additional proof that mind and body and spirit are one indivisible unit, as the Bible has been telling us all along. Jesus Christ himself said, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. Mark eleven twenty four. This is the great promise that lies behind the theme of this book. So in positive imaging, he's basically talking about how do you use the power of, of imagination and several things. Maybe one day I might actually just teach this book as a whole, um, you know. I'll think about it. And I have another book I want to quote from again. I'm just going to teach the law and the promise in this chapter, but I think it's important to make sure that we have supplemental information yet again to make sure that we're hearing it differently because sometimes when we hear it differently, we process it differently. So this is a book titled Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. And he wrote on page two of the version of the book I have, Your Key to a Better Life. The most important psychological discovery of this century 
is the discovery of the self-image. Whether we realize it or not, each of us carries about with us a mental blueprint or picture of ourselves. It may be vague and ill-defined to our conscious gaze. In fact, it may not be consciously recognizable at all, but it is there, complete down to the last detail. This self-image is our own conception of the sort of person I am. It has been built up from our own beliefs about ourselves, but most of these beliefs about ourselves have unconsciously been formed from our past experiences, our successes and failures, our humiliations, our triumphs, and the way other people have reacted to us, especially in early childhood. From all these, we mentally construct a self or a picture of a self. Once an idea or a belief about ourselves goes into this picture, it becomes true as far as we personally are concerned. We do not question its validity, but proceed to act upon it just as if it were true. This self-image becomes a golden key to living a better life because of two important discoveries. And I'm reading this. I'm not going to read all of it, but I do want to make sure that I give you some of the discoveries that he gives in this book before we get to Neville. He wrote, number one, all your actions, feelings, behavior, even your abilities are always consistent with this self-image. In short, you will act like the sort of person you conceive yourself to be. Not only this, but you literally cannot act otherwise in spite of all your conscious efforts or willpower. The man who can seek, who conceives himself to be a failure type person will find some way to fail in spite of all his good intentions or his willpower, even if opportunity is literally dumped in his lap. The person who conceives himself to be a victim of injustice one who was meant to suffer will invariably find circumstances to verify his opinions. The self-image is a premise, a base, or a foundation upon which your entire personality, your behavior, and even your circumstances are built. Because of this, our experiences seem to verify and thereby strengthen our self-images and a vicious or beneficent cycle, as the case may be, is set up. So he's saying basically you, once you have a self-image, it's going to play itself out in your life rolling affairs. It's just going to recycle itself over and over again until you change the self-image. Then, so I'm not going to read the rest of this. I'm going to go to his second point because he has a lot of information in this book. I guess this is another book that's possibly I could possibly teach down the line. Number two, the self-image can be changed. Numerous case histories have shown that 
No one is never too young nor too old to change his self-image and thereby start to live a new life. One of the reasons it has seemed to be so difficult for a person to change his habits, his personality, or his way of life has been that heretofore nearly all efforts at change have been directed to the circumstances of the self, so to speak, rather than to the center. Numerous patients have said to me something like, if you're talking about positive thinking, I've tried that before and it doesn't work for me. However, a little questioning invariably brings out these indiv- that these individuals have employed positive thinking or attempted to employ it either upon particular external circumstances or some particular habit or character defect, such as I will get that job. I will be more calm and relaxed in the future. This business venture will turn out right for me. But they never thought to change their thinking of the self, which was to accomplish these things. Last quote I'll get from this book. Uh, He says, Jesus warned us about the folly of putting a patch of new material upon an old garment or of putting new wine into old bottles. Positive thinking cannot be used effectively as a patch or crutch to the same self-image. In fact, it is literally impossible to really think about a particular situation as long as you hold a negative concept of self. And the numerous experiments have shown that once the concept of self is changed, the other things consistent with the new concept of self are accomplished easily and without strain. Now, why did I give you all of that information from Napoleon Hill and Maxwell Maltz? Because I believe that the material that that I quoted supplements and agrees with what Neville is saying in more metaphysical language. Neville uses a lot of metaphysical, mystical, and metaphorical language to say your imagination, your image of self, your self-concept has to shift and you have to be intentional about the image because If I'm the thinker who thinks the thought that makes the thing, which is what Reverend Coleman always taught, that means that if I want the things to change, I, as the thinker, have to change what I'm thinking about. I have to change my self-image. Instead of trying to make myself do something, I need to change my image. This is why one of the things that uh, I learned really early at Christ Universal Temple was that prosperity is a state of mind. It was one of the first things I learned here. Prosperity is a state of mind, not the accumulation of the things, whether that's money, cars, houses, investments, etc. We have and continue to emphasize that you can't really have a thing without having the consciousness of the thing. You're not gonna you're not going to outperform your image of self. This is really important because some people are trying to use the power of imagination to shift and 
they still are wrestling with images and beliefs and feelings of unworthiness and lack and limitation based upon their past. So one of the most effective ways of working with changing your life is working with the images you have in your mind. Maxwell Maltz, who, by the way, was a plastic surgeon who realized that even in the midst of working with people where he would, you know, cut their faces up and give them new noses, new chins, face lifts, chins and all type of stuff and enhance this, take this away on people's bodies, that even when they had the physical changes, they still carried the same self-image. So the problem was never my nose is too big or this or that is too big or too small. The issue was always the self-image. Always. Because when the self-image is healthy, it shifts how you think about things. I remember telling years ago, uh, one of my younger cousins who was going through uh, the teenage acne breakout. And um, when she, you know, she mentioned, you know, you know, she was having some challenges with the acne. And I told her, don't worry about that acne. That's just a dent in a Rolls Royce. And she just looked at me and I said, a dent in a Rolls Royce. I said, who's turning down a Rolls Royce because of a dent? I said, so you're still a Rolls Royce and you're just going through a stage right now. And when it clears up, you'll still be a Rolls Royce. And that's how you have to think about yourself instead of, oh my God, this, this acne makes me unattractive to others. No, this is just a phase and a stage because I'm awesome. I just happen to be an awesome person with acne. You just have to look at it differently. Just have to look at it differently. Don't ask a person to believe in you when you won't believe in yourself. I'm not saying that people can't believe in you when you don't believe yourself because that's a really good benefit. But guess what? You can only go so far on somebody else's belief system. Sooner or later, you got to deal with your own self-imaging. We're about a minute and a half from our first break. So, And when we come back, I'm going to get into the Neville book. But I do want to remind you that this show, along with all the other shows, are supported by your donations. So as you freely give, freely receive. I also have a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Uh, it's the quickest and easiest way to get in contact with me. Also, go on the page, give it a five-star rating. That's my request. Write a review for it, a positive, good review. That is my request so it can help spread on Facebook. Um. You know, and again, it's the easiest way to get in contact with me through the messenger or whatever that works. And I want to remind folks that you can call into the show at 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. I have some people that have been trying to get in contact with me and they want to write me or whatever. That's fine. You can send it to Christ Universal Temple. You can Google it, but it, the address is 11901 South Ashland, A-S-H-L-A-N-D Avenue, Chicago, Illinois, 
1-800-606-6043-11901 South Ashland Avenue, Chicago, Illinois, 60643. You know, there have been people who, you know, want me to check out stuff, give me this or whatever. Just mail it to the church and I, uh, uh, to me, care of Christ Universal Temple, and I'll get it. Trust me. We have a great system. I get stuff really quickly here. So with that, we're going to take our first break, and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio, the teachings of Unity's founders, almost a hundred years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Right here on Unity FM. The voice of an awakening world. Have you asked your soul what it wants? Or are you so busy meeting the needs of everyone else? Family, friends, children, bosses, that you haven't checked in with the part of you that matters most? Janet Connor asked this question and received an answer. Your soul wants five things. That's it. Five things. Your soul wants to connect with source, commit to values, serve a purpose, express itself creatively, and last, it longs to create a beautiful, abundant life. Janet Connor teaches five wisdom habits that meet those needs. You can take each course separately or register for the complete Your Soul Wants Five Things series and receive $1,000 in bonuses for free. Visit JanetConnor.com and explore all five courses in her signature series, Your Soul Wants Five Things. Your soul will thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. 
welcome back to Truth Transforms. Again, I'm teaching the book, The Law and the Promise by Neville. I did forget to say one thing. If you listen to the show on iTunes or Stitcher, please make sure you go on and write a positive review and give it a five-star rating. It helps the algorithm to promote the show. So the more people get an opportunity to know that it's available, more people can be transformed potentially by the information that's given if they utilize it. Again, to quote Reverend Coleman, it works if you work it. So we want to make sure that people have access to the information because it's very difficult to have transformation without access to the information. It's not impossible. It's just harder. You know, the Apostle Paul said uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So he knew that it was important that the message was actually uh, being given to the people. It's important because it, hearing the the word, and I'm using this not in the context of, oh my God, this particular scripture over another, but hearing truth, look at, look at it from another context because that's really what the word is. Hearing truth allows you to develop and cultivate faith, but you got to hear it. A lot of people are struggling just because they don't have access to information that can help them cultivate their spiritual nature. This is why I will always say that there's nothing that I could ever do to give back what Christ Universal Temple gave to me because it, they were presenting information that I would, in my willingness to hear it, transform my life. And that's important. And many of you all have similar experiences where someone helped you develop and cultivate your faith, your spirituality through the information that they gave. You might not ever know the person. Some of some of the for some of you that person might be me. And and I'm humbled by that, by the way, that some folks have discovered, and I know this to be fact because I've received some of your messages, that you all quote unquote stumbled upon this show and in the and then started to listen to it and it helped you discover uh, things within yourself spiritually that you weren't aware of before. It helped you find purpose and and helped you learn techniques to better your lives. I'm humbled by that because that's what my calling is to do. I'm dedicated to helping people discover the presence and power of God within themselves to discover their own true spiritual nature and power and teach people the techniques needed to develop and demonstrate the spiritual potential within their souls. So every time I receive one of those emails or thank you letters, et cetera, I'm humbled by it because it does make a difference when you are exposed to information that makes you contemplate your own divinity. But anyway, time to move on. So this is chapter eight and it's titled Through the Looking Glass in Neville's book. So he says on page 82 in my version of the book, although normal consciousness is focused on the senses and is usually restricted to them, it is possible for man to pass through his sense fixation 
into any imaginal structure which he conceives and so fully occupy it that it is more alive and responsive than on which his senses stay his eye. What does that mean? That getting to the point to where your visualization, your imaging, your imaginal activity is so real that it seems to be more real than physical existence. You're literally giving life to it in your mind. That's key. You're literally giving life to it in your mind. Now, I, I want to say something because I think it's really important for me to say at this point that this is also a point where I think wisdom and love needs to come into play because a person, for instance, could be imaging for something that that is not theirs by right of consciousness. For instance, uh, imaging does not take somebody else's choice from them. All right? Um, you know, it makes no sense to image the neighbor's wife, for instance. That may, That's not healthy, in my opinion. At times when we start talking about metaphysics, sometimes we're trying to get somebody else's good instead of the equivalent. So if 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 the neighbor's wife is has the qualities that you like, then it is the qualities that matter, not the individual. But sometimes we get caught up in the individual instead of the qualities. Now, that's why wisdom and love always have to be present when you're utilizing your spiritual power. As you are working with these spiritual laws, always ground them with wisdom and love. Always ground them in wisdom and love. Why? Because love is the fulfillment of the law, as Paul said, but also love does no harm. And we have to be mindful that we're not like Godzilla walking through a city and not paying attention that our tails are knocking down buildings. So that's the one little part I want to put in there about being responsible. And let's just be mindful of that. All right. So back to the book. He says, man who is all imagination is not the tenant to the brain, but landlord. He needs not rest content with the appearance of things. He can go beyond perceptual to conceptual awareness. Now, why is that important? He's saying you're in control of your mind. Your mind isn't in control of you. That's what he's really saying. In other words, your mind shouldn't take you where you don't want it to go. He's also saying that you don't have to be limited to what you already see presently. In other words, what's already been brought into form. You can conceive, you can conceptualize that which isn't here and bring it into expression, calling those things that be not as though they were, as the Apostle Paul would say. Now, then he says, this ability to pass through the mechanical reflective structure of the senses is the most important discovery man can make. It reveals man as the center of imaging, excuse me, of imagining with powers of intervention, which enable him to alter the course of observed events, moving from success to success 
through a series of mental transformations in himself. That's a lot of words to say one basic thing. When you discover that consciousness produces form, when you recognize that as within, so without, when you recognize that this is a universe that is governed by causation, cause and effect, that, or as the Bible calls it, sowing and reaping, that allows you to be able to conceptualize desired results. And as you go through your own mental transformations, you bring experiences or you generate experiences in your life that are consistent with your mental transformation or your image. So that goes back to what Maxwell Maltz uh, uh, wrote, which I quoted earlier. Some people are trying to work truth on it with a negative self-image. And that's just like Jesus saying, you're trying to put new wine in old wine skin or putting a piece of new garment or cloth on old on an old garment. You have to work on your consciousness first. You have to get your image of self together first for real, strong, and lasting results. You can work and make some temporary demonstrations that you won't be able to maintain because like a thermostat, your subconscious mind is going to regulate you back to where you believe you are. Your unconscious, subconscious self-image. All right. So the key is, he says, again, from success to success through a series of mental transformations in himself. You have to have your own transformations. You have to have your own breakthroughs. This is why Paul said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you can prove the the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. Then you can prove the perfect, good and acceptable will of God. But that requires you to focus your attention. Focus your attention on transforming the images that you have in your mind. Again, these images that you have in your mind build up a self-image that is always radiating and attracting. Always radiating and attracting. It's radiating what you believe about yourself at a deep subconscious level, your self-image about everything, about relationships, about money, about career, about family, about significant other, about how you should live and what you can accept and what you can't accept. This same self-image goes out and it, it, it finds people to to correspond with your beliefs about many things, politics, religion, etc., philosophy. That's how it works. This is how tribalism is created if we're not careful because we just start hanging around people who think like us. And sometimes that means we don't stretch and we don't reflect and we don't contemplate. Why we believe what we believe, why we do what we do, why we say what we say, 
even in the midst of overwhelming evidence. Now, so he goes on to say on page 83, to move from perceptual awareness or things as they seem to conceptual awareness or things as they ought to be, we we image, excuse me, we imagine as vivid and as lifelike a representation as possible of what we would see, hear, and do were we physically present and physically experiencing things as they ought to be and imaginatively participate in that scene. So, again, you have to imagine as vividly as possible a lifelike representation of who you would be, what you would see, hear, and do if you were there and experiencing it. This is a technique. This is a technique that you can do several times a day, every morning, every evening, maybe lunchtime or whatever, and take the time out. Even if you did it five minutes, five times a day, five minutes, stop, center yourself, say a quick prayer, go right to your image. You say, well, I don't have 20 minutes to spare. I would bet a bottom dollar that you have the the time to play on your phone, check in social media, to text back and forth with folks, to at times mindlessly watch the TV, not just watching a show to watch it, but just the TV on just because the TV needs to be on or engage in conversations on the phone of gossip and criticism or as the kids would say, throwing shade. We have time for all of that stuff. But when it comes time to actually work on the things that would help us get ahead, we never have time. Isn't that amazing? The reason why we never have time is because of what Maxwell Maltz wrote in Psycho-Cybernetics. It's not consistent with our self-image. So you can't be a boss who takes care of business and handles what needs to be handled. You can't be a master in life and do techniques that will get you uh, uh, more prosperity or health or peace of mind when those things aren't consistent with your self-image. Be very clear. New thought isn't the teaching for the passive, weak-minded individual. This is this is a, the teaching of mastery, the mastery of self. You can't tell people God lives in you and and the, and through the transformation of your mind, you can change your life and experience health, peace, love, joy and prosperity. And then think that this is just something as easy as driving up to a McDonald's and ordering it and giving your money and leaving. This is real mental work. This is the Jesus went off into the wilderness and worked on his mind type of work. We have to be mindful of what this teaching really is saying to us. It's saying to us. You're supposed to be the Christ in your life. 
whether you can accept that or not, you are supposed to be the anointed one anointing your life. Or as Gary Simmons wrote, you're either the way of Christ or you're in the way of Christ. So it's time for our last break. And we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. with childlike wonder what is the nature of god who is jesus what is the christ how do we know what we know when you ask these or other heart-centered questions about the non-physical intangible aspects of life you are on some level a student of metaphysics new from unity house and nearly five years in the making heart-centered metaphysics a deeper look at unity teachings is now available this is paul hasselbeck author of this quintessential study guide. Enjoy a deeper exploration of universal spiritual principles and truths, whether you are just starting or have been seeking for years. Each thought-provoking chapter of Heart Center Metaphysics speaks to truth seekers like you, providing essential tools to help elevate your consciousness and create spiritual transformations in your outer life and circumstances. Order your copy today from the Unity Online Store at www.unity.org. Then click on shop. You've been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. All right, welcome back to Truth Transforms. Uh, we're still on Through the Looking Glass, Chapter 8 in the book. So I'm going to jump a little bit to page, the bottom of page 84 and 85. So he tells this wonderful story, which I'm not going to read because I want people to get the book. And I think it's important that you read the stories yourself and, uh, and then pray about them. I think it'll give you insight when you do the work. So he quotes the scripture from Second Corinthians chapter uh, five, verse seven. We walk by faith, not by sight. Again, Apostle Paul. When we walk by sight, he wrote, we know our way by objects which our eyes see. 
when we walk by faith, we order our life by scenes and actions which only imagination sees. So when we walk by sight, we're paying attention to what's in front of us. When we walk by faith, we're seeing the desired and preferred results that are happening in the mind. All right. So I'm jumping over to page 86. And he covers something I think it um I think it's really important. He wrote, It is possible to pass from thinking of to thinking from. But the crucial matter is thinking from, i.e., experiencing the state. For the for that experience means unification. Whereas in thinking uh Excuse me. Whereas in thinking of, there is always subject and object, the thinking individual and the thing thought of. So what he's saying is, instead of thinking of yourself as subject object, there's me, and then there's something I want. Instead of he's saying, you have to think from the thing you want. So the thing you want is you. You are. One with the thing you desire. The father and I are one. There's no father and me. The father and I are one. Jesus was saying there is no subject and object. Oneness. The father and I are one. My prosperity and I are one. My health and I are one, my peace and I, are one, my love and I, are one, unification. So you're seeing from love, you're seeing from peace, you're seeing from prosperity, you're seeing from health. Because you're not separating, you're not trying to get a thing. You're choosing to experience or be that which you choose in imagination. Through your faith. That's what he's saying. Thinking from. So he says how do you do it? He said he wrote in the next paragraph. Self abandonment. That is the secret. We have to abandon ourselves to the state. And our love for the state. And in doing so live the life of the state. And no more our present state. Imagination seizes upon the life of the state and gives itself to the expression of the life of that state. So what is he saying? You have to surrender and abandon who the, the your current self-image and, and then you have to abandon yourself into, like surrender yourself into, release yourself into the state that you desire, that you're holding in imagination. So you're no longer the person who's experiencing those issues. If you're not the person who's experiencing those issues in consciousness, you can't be the person who's experiencing those issues in form. That's the secret. That's the secret. That's the real way you transform a situation 
even if it's been in the cycle of divine law, cause and effect, sowing and reaping. Uh, Emmett Fox wrote that Christ is Lord over karma. Karma is the cycle, the will, the cause and effect, the sowing and reaping. So I've been thinking lack, 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 lack for 50, 60 years or whatever. And then I realized that I am a child of God and prosperity is my birthright. And now my images, along with my feelings, now my belief system is based upon this truth instead of the old erroneous belief. Uh, but I've I've had if this hypothetical person has had all of these decades of thinking in lack. So how come they they won't continue to reap what they've sown? Because the power to transform and change your life can be as instant as you are. Therefore, when you realize that the spiritual being that you are is prosperity in action or health in action or love in action, you're literally as a being of awareness because consciousness is awareness of being. You are no longer that individual. Therefore, as a new individual, you have to have the experiences that are consistent with your new state of consciousness. Or as it is stated in the Bible, former things have passed away. Behold, I make all things new. My challenge to you today is, are you ready to be new? Are you ready to be new and not base your life based upon somebody that should be mentally and emotionally deceased? You can't be the new creation in Christ Jesus and the old person or the old man. I think that's what Paul called it. You can't be both. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Let him not think that he will receive anything from the Lord. That's in the book of James. A double-minded man is a double-minded mind. And a double-minded mind will not receive anything that they desire from divine law because you're in a consistent conflicting state or argument with yourself. Behold, I make all things new. So that means you have to be the new state, be the new state of mind, be the new being, be the new awareness. And being the new awareness produces different experiences. So you're no longer in bondage to the things of the past because you've made free, you've become free. Now, Christian language in the Bible, people, Paul used a lot of mystical language and people get caught up in the terminology instead of the symbology. I live, yet not I, Christ lives in me. 
he would say the sun has made me free. Now, metaphysically, recognize that the sun is not limited to the human Jesus who walked the earth. The sun is the God idea, the Christ, the I am that Jesus so magnificently expressed. So he says, the sun made me free. And Jesus is even quoted as saying that when the, when the sun makes you free, you're free indeed, depending on the translation. Or you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So in any circumstance that you are in bondage, you don't know the truth about that particular thing. Because either Jesus is right or not. And I'm cool with you saying Jesus is not right. That's your opinion. You're right. You're, you, you have your right to that opinion. I'm just challenging you on if if Jesus is right or the gospel writer who quoted Jesus is saying this, you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free or set you free, depending on the translation. That means that known truth frees. Known truth frees. It didn't say it, it didn't say that it was limited to subject. Known truth frees. But that also means that lack of freedom means some truth isn't known. Now, we're talking about hardcore metaphysics now. We ain't time to play around with stuff. Known truth frees. Lack of a known truth will keep you in bondage to the experience. So that's why it's really important to recognize this. If we don't get this part, we don't get it at all. We don't have to read the whole chapter. He's telling us right here what the secret is. You have to abandon yourself into the new image of who you are. You have to abandon yourself in the image of that which you seek to demonstrate. You have to abandon yourself to the idea that the old person is gone. And you're not putting new wine in old wine skin. So it looks like I'm running out of time. We got about 30 seconds left. So uh, again, I want to thank you all for listening to the show. Continue to work with it. I, I, you know, my request is listen to the show sometimes more than once. Allow it to process. Get the book. Read the chapters yourself. I'm not going over every point in the chapters. Make sure that you are dedicated to changing your self-image because it'll be a lot easier to demonstrate your good when you're not when when you're not contradicting yourself mentally, even if it's at a subconscious level. So God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your day, and thank you for listening to Truth Transforms. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple.
The world is full of voices, advertising, television, politics, colleagues, family, and friends. All are too happy to tell us how to live. In all of that noise, it's easy to miss the one voice that matters, your own soul. What would happen if you could hear that voice? Imagine the clarity, confidence, and courage that would be yours and the life you could create. Join Janet Connor, best-selling author of Writing Down Your Soul, The Lotus and the Lily, and Your Soul Wants Five Things, as she and her guests explore how to hear the call of the soul and create the soul-directed life. Live Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Go inside to find my God. The more we learn about life, the more we realize life never stands still. Life is in a constant state of growth and change. In our individual lives, we may resent change or even resist it. We often forget that our resistance doesn't stop life from changing. Our resistance keeps us locked into a negative mindset and blocks our acceptance and enjoyment of life's constant diversity and variety. Learn to recognize change as a stepping stone to greater growth and good. Meet life's changing conditions with courage and optimism. Changing your thoughts helps you change your actions and can result in positive changes in you and the world around you. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Every moment we live can be holy, and all we need to do to experience that state is to make the decision to do so. Everything we do can be a prayer, and by using our innate creativity with intention in every aspect of our lives, that can indeed be true. Author Carla Kincannon wrote, Creativity is so much more than art making. It is a tool for navigating through everyday experiences to find the sacred in each God-given moment. Discover Creative Spirit, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time, and experience the joy of connecting to spirit through creative expression. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.